0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this
1: juicy gem of a detour.
2: In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So. Go to podsurvey.com Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com Florio. F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. Did somebody name the text chain group? Is there a name yeah, for
1: it's it? RB's. It's RBs. It's called RBs.
2: It's called RBs. Okay. Yeah.
1: Rich, I wonder, did anyone have a green bubble
0: on the text oh, chat? Oh, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Android? Yeah. Anybody <laughs> screw it up by not having an iPhone?
1: Nah, nah. <laughs>
0: would, would you have kicked that person
1: off the chat? Would you have kicked him off yeah, the text we, chain? Hey, hey, we would have had to. I would, I would have called.
2: So. <laughs> Significant disclosure made by Davin Cook Big yesterday time. Rich Eisen on the running back text chain. There are no
0: green bubbles, all blue bubbles. Look, I can't stand not. it. I don't know. Do you do you ever get involved in that situation? Do you get you any group text change where like one friend has an Android or a Google phone and you're like, wait, our group text messaging doesn't work. What the hell? And it just absolutely drives you crazy. As a business person, an entrepreneur,
2: if you will. (laughs) Oh, okay, here we go. I'm trying not to burn (laughs) any bridges toward any potential partners for this program. (laughs) Trying to justify our existence, our compensation, our livelihood by not alienating any of the various. Phone providers out there, but I will say that there is a, a logo on my phone that is a piece of fruit with a bite taken out of it, and yeah. I prefer I prefer to only communicate with others who have the same device. That's what I'll say.
0: Oh man, it, it's like it's it's just it's frustrating. I, you know, I've been a part of like some family text chains. Two years ago, I was involved. I I did a little fantasy football group text chain. You know, one family member got the Android or whatever else, and it was just a it was a crap show consistent constantly trying to figure out wait where where, you know where are we put another group text out there uh so yeah that's we don't have that technology yet are we not there yet that we can't make that work the right way between apple and google or some android or whatever I th- I think I think the idea they don't is want they it don't want they don't want that I mean is that and, the and deal look, breaker for I've Apple had, they're like whoa <laughs> we can't let them on the group they text. want everybody not look <laughs> I, I
2: mean underneath underneath that PFT sticker is uh, another a apple piece of fruit with a bite taken out of yeah. it and, and I've had an Android phone but yeah they they want everyone to be on the Apple phone and. And, and vice versa. It's like VHS and Beta, if anyone gets that reference. Although Beta eventually died and VHS took over. These two coexist. But I know far more people that have the Apple than the other, but they both work great, and it's a new age, and, you know, I remember when we were kids, and we were thinking about futuristic cities, and flying cars, and Dick Tracy watches, the one thing that came to fruition was basically the Dick Tracy wristwatch, where you can, you know, click a button, and watch a TV show, and get video, and talk to people, and see them while you're talking to them, and that's the one... Futuristic advancement we all anticipated in the 70s that came to pass. Still waiting for the flying cars. It's coming, still though. Still waiting for the futuristic the, cities. The, still waiting for the Jetsons treadmill that is hanging out over the, the side of your your high-rise futuristic building that you run on and your dog jumps on. Hey, and you hey, somehow
0: don't fall to your death. Sounds cool. It sounds cool. The flying car thing, though, it sounds like they've kind of made some progress on that. I mean, Maybe Can we will see that. You know, can can you imagine roads? Can you imagine where we're going? We don't need roads. (laughs) Well done. Well
2: done, Dr. Emmett Brown. But can you imagine traffic is hard enough to manage when everyone is on the ground in specific lanes created for the traffic? Can you imagine how in the hell do they regulate airspace? I c I, I don't think it makes sense. No, you got no, planes, no, no. you got cars, you got flying trains. What the hell else is gonna be up in the air? I don't want that. I don't need that. And as as fun as it would be, I mean what goes up must come down and you got enough ways you can crash on the ground. I don't want to throw that extra element of going from the air to the ground on top of everything you may hit while you're in the air. On your way to the ground. Yeah,
0: well, I, I hear you. Well, we know you and flying and all that anyways. That's not a great thing. So we don't want it on the driving basis there. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 I I'm with you. I mean, I, I think that's part of the reason, like, I don't feel that great about my kids going out on the neighborhood and riding the bike anymore. Because when I sit in my front like, lawn on a Saturday morning and drink coffee and I, I got this little perch mic, I mean, nine out of ten people, when they're driving on the ground, are driving like this. They drive like this. Nine out of ten people. Doesn't matter where it is. They're driving like this or they have it low so nobody can see it. And I see it. And you're right. You had fly into that. Holy crap, Batman. What the hell is going to happen? You know, I
2: was in the car for 12 hours on the way to Hilton Head a couple of weeks ago, 15 hours on the way back. And I saw a lot of that. And I had never noticed it before. But I saw a lot of this and it was kind of horrifying to me and it's almost it's like people crazy. think they've perfected the art of being distracted Yeah, like i'm fine and i got this and i notice it more and more when i'm driving around of course when i'm not doing this i notice it when i'm doing this i i don't, <laughs> I, know,
0: don't do that I, people that know i am like i'm on a crusade to try to stop this it's it drives me and crazy and i'm kidding i'm kidding yeah
2: but like like there's there's a law here that you can't use your device and i I run my device through my phone, so if I want to, like, change the music or something, you can hit the screen. I mean, what's the difference between being distracted by the screen that's in front of you? And I see on some of these cars this giant screen. It's like, are they watching a movie on that screen while they're driving? <laughs> like, it's amazing to me. It's gigantic. I think the Tesla has that big, giant it does. touch screen. Right. That's an inherent distraction. What the hell were they thinking when they put this big... TV set turned, you know, turned from horizontal to vertical and just slapped it right in the middle of the panel. Like, how is that not going to distract people when they're driving? But all the cars have that now. Anyway, get off our lawns. Yeah, get no, off our I, lawns uh, and get off your phones. I, while I, I, your phone.
0: I don't get it. It's 5,000-pound it's, it's cars and people aren't paying attention going down the highway at 80. That, that doesn't seem right. But, all right, on a better note, you know, it is a big day for me today. I don't know if you knew that. 19th anniversary. Danielle... My oh, wife wow. and I. Big day here. All right? Wow. So we're creeping up there. Uh, so that is uh, kind of a big deal here in the Sims household today. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You believe well, that? You're, you're 10
2: years behind me. My 29th is coming up. And my just the other day was the 34th anniversary of my first date with my wife. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? For both of us, your wife has put up with you for 19 years of marriage, plus whatever the courtship a lot was before, before that. It, right? And I have a feeling it took a while for for you to convince her to say yes to you <laughs> yeah. but but both of us both of us have managed to fool one person for that long I think we I think we both have uh, pulled it off somehow
0: some way somehow I don't know if I'm fooling her anymore now but uh you know she's she's the the queen of the house that's for sure but yeah Mike I met my I met my wife right before my sophomore year in high school I met her in wow. August of 1996 and I can honestly say like crazy I was a sophomore and an idiot and probably didn't know a lot of things, but like the first time I met her, I knew there was a chance I was going to marry her. I really did. It's kind of oh, weird wow. how it worked oh, out. Oh, you had the lightning bolt. I really did. Oh, You had the lightning bolt. I did. What's the Italian
2: term for that? <laughs> they, they, that's what happened. That's what happened to Michael Corleone when he saw Apollonia. Exactly. Turned out better for Danielle than <laughs> Apollonia. That's did. good news. <laughs> yes, it did exactly <laughs> right. Right. Although you, you live, I mean, she's from New Jersey. It is on the bingo card of possibility. <laughs> you yeah, you never know. Right. You never it's know. End now, up. Like we grew up <laughs> that's right. You never know. You might not
0: wake up. You <laughs> no. might be sleeping with the fishes one morning. <laughs> you gotta watch out <laughs> uh, yeah wow. big day. so
2: how long how long between meeting her
0: and dating her? what was the lag before it finally happened? It, it actually you know eight years it was it wasn't that bad Sophomore year in high school I met her in 96 we got married in yeah two thousand four uh, right before my 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 second year in the NFL. Uh, got married like right before training camp, you know, did one of those type of weddings, had a few days before it started, and then, you know, ran back to Tampa, and we started our life together there and got into training camp, and John Gruden was yelling at me a few days later. And then that started, of course, the, you know, we couldn't take the honeymoon, and then we went to Italy after the season, and then John Gruden called my phone, what are you doing? Are you canoeing back from Italy? When the hell are you going to be here? So that was the start of that whole charade. <laughs> I can just hear that jerk saying it
2: too, right? <laughs> yeah. I, like we, we need to get Frank Caliendo to cut that phone call. Oh, for seriously? Because I can hear him. I can hear him. I can't do it, but I can hear Gruden saying that. And by the way, it is the Colpo di Fulmini, the thunderbolt, as the Italians call it, that Boom. struck you in August of 1996. So uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. So she had eight years to to. Uh, uh, Come to her senses, and yeah. she didn't. Yes. Yeah,
0: she yeah, she she had her chances. She did, but I, you know, she just I sucked How, her okay, back so in. Okay, t- so tell yeah.
2: All right, so if you remember, because yeah. it's been a long time ago, and you're getting older, right? What what was the moment that broke the ice? How did you do it? Was it like a phone call? Did you go up and talk to her? How did it come to be that you you went from acquaintances to amorous yeah. relations like she moved not all i'm just ta- i'm talking about the first i don't want to go too far all right hey I can, get, about- I can get details. <laughs> you about- know no you no 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 no, no 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 all right <laughs> no that's not what i meant that's not right. what i meant i'm just talking
0: about the moment <laughs> yeah. that there was an interaction that resulted in a date it was actually really weird i pursued her more at first i the first time i met her i was like "Ooh, oh my gosh this and like i said the lightning bolt hit me right and there was another it was a friend's house and there was another girl you know who was there who and my wife had been in Florida for a few years she was in New Jersey she moved back to Florida whatever but there was another girl at the party who I kind of liked in the spring and the summer and she didn't Uh-oh. like me or whatever And all of a sudden that night, she was all over me, and I was like, "Man, that was the one night." I was like, "Why are you all over me? I'm trying to impress a new girl, right?" So, uh, alcohol. Yeah, that's kind of how it happened. Slowly, (laughs) slowly but surely, I I wore her down, and uh, you know, at a point where I was like, "Wait, I'm trying to be this girl's, you know, boyfriend." I sent her flowers. I was trying to take her to the movies, and I was kind of getting nowhere. And, you know, typical, you know, relationship or woman to a degree, I just, I gave up finally. I was like, I I give up. I don't know. I've been, all I've been doing is calling and doing anything I can to be with this girl for the last month. And she's kind of giving me the cold shoulder. So I gave up. I didn't call her for a week. And then all of a sudden, like on a Friday afternoon, she was like, hey, where have you been? I haven't heard from you. And it was like, from that point on, we hit it off. That was like early in my sophomore year of school. And then we never looked back. What was the first movie that you took Danielle to see? Oh, my gosh. You're going to laugh at this. Tin Cup. You remember Tin Cup? (laughs) With With Kevin Kevin Costner? Costner. Right. (laughs) And I had seen it already, but I was so desperate to take her somewhere that... The movie theater we wanted to go to only had, like, two movies. The other one was, like, a kid movie, and I was like, I'll just act like I haven't seen Tin Cup and take her there again and go watch that because I was just itching to do anything to be with her at that point. So, uh, yeah, Tin Cup, Kevin Costner.
2: That's, uh, yes, that's a uh, uh, 1996 sport comedy. I don't think I've ever seen it. If I have, I've it's, forgotten about it's it. It's pretty good. I have good. to
0: go watch it. Yeah, you got to watch it. Tin There's Cup. definitely some really, really good parts there. And he definitely got some great lines and things that go on that are very funny. He's a, he's a great talent golf pro, you know, who always finds a way to screw it up and not kind of capitalize on his talents. Uh, long story short, it's pretty good. Kevin Costner, Rene Russo, and Don Johnson uh-huh. also in. It
2: is. is ten Cup, riding go. that Miami Vice wave as long <laughs> as he possibly could and still is. So, wow, uh, that was almost 96. Well, my son was born in September of 96, so it's almost 27 years ago that right. you had your first date. Eight years later, you finally wore her down. And it's funny to hear you tell that story, though, about being sophomore in high school. I got a nephew that, that is that age – turned 16 in March and he's got a girlfriend now and brought her over one day last week and they swam in the pool and they hung out the patio and 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 I said to him when he told me he had this girlfriend I said well you know how, how did this happen like like how did it and he's like what do you mean it's like well like where did you meet her and he said like it was at a baseball game, and I said, "Well, who approached whom?" How did he said I walked up to her and I said, "I think you're cute." And it's like, well, that's that's far more direct than I ever would have been.
0: That's <laughs> the way to go. It's smooth. You say that right there. A lot of guys don't even have the guts to come out, come up to a girl and say that. So no, God, no. Yeah.
2: I mean, I did after about five beers, right? Which right. always made for a great presentation. <laughs> but in, it's, yeah. it's encouraging that in the age of everybody always in this thing. That's right. That there was actually a face-to-face interaction not a text message yes uh, because it seems like we're that's losing the way that. that most of the yeah communications happen nowadays. Yeah. all right no doubt we're losing our show we've we've lost 15 minutes of it but that's good happy anniversary to you and danielle Thank condolences you. to danielle but at least it turned out better for her than it did for apollonia so <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, that's i right. don't
2: know i don't know maybe if apollonia knew 19 years with you versus the quick, brief marriage with Michael, she may have just stuck
0: with. What's crazy is, you know, as you're saying this and all this, and I I don't want to get too like, if it's hilarious and you're bringing this up, the girl's house I met her at had a lot of those backstories, you know, that's, that's, I don't want to get too deep into it. It had a lot of those backstories there, you know, very similar to the Godfather or the Sopranos or all that. And uh, so that's it's funny. You kind of brought that up and made that connection. Well, and we
2: have filibustered long enough to bust into some breaking news. Yeah, baby. And I have to trust Pete when he tells us this because I don't know who's reporting it. I don't know who the source is. I'm sorry, Pete. I'm sorry, Pete. This comes from NFL media. Saquon Barkley, a one-year, $11 million deal to show up for the New York football giants with a $2 million signing bonus. So for the first time ever, and we talked about this possibility yesterday, you raised the question. They're paying him nor not, not much more, not much more. They're paying him 900,000 more than he was due to make under the franchise tag with a $2 million signing bonus. He's there. He's in camp. He's going to be there, and he's going to do what you suggested yesterday. I, I mean, He's got yeah. to have a big year now. He has no other real option. He's not going to sit out the whole season. So if you're going to show up anyway, you may as well show up now and get ready for the 2023 season and go out, kick ass,
0: take names, and try to get paid next year. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so happy. I mean, I, I hope he was listening to us yesterday when we were having this conversation. Uh, I, I think this is the right play right here. You know, for him, ultimate long-term, I know the running backs, like we talked about yesterday, they don't have, you know, many bargaining chips or, or, things they can do to, to back the team into a corner right now. So, okay. You know, it's a short shelf life of a career for the NFL running back. Go get your money right now. Go do it. I'm so happy. I'm happy for the giants. I'm happy for Saquon Barkley. I think it is the right move. And I think it's the right move too to capitalize on a bigger contract in the future. Now you stay sharp, you stay fresh, you're healthy, your mind sharp from you know being there at camp, and hey, you know we'll see, we'll see what he does next. Is he going to go all out? Will he put himself on a pitch count to a degree? I don't know. He could play some hardball like that, like we talked about. But as a Giant fan, I am extremely happy that the most dangerous guy on our offense is back on the football team and going to be ready to go.
2: How? The most dangerous guy on our offense. That is that is unprofessional.
0: I'm sorry. I'm Unless sorry. you have a mouse in your pocket, that is unprofessional. Yeah. Um, so,
2: anyway, here's the other side of it, too. And, and again, I'm just trusting Pete here. So, like, don't blame me if this ends up being wrong. <laughs> sounds like it. there's no incentives. <laughs> Pete loves this. It sounds like there's no incentives. It's just a straight $11 million, No promise that they won't ref- refrain from tagging him again next year. So, what he's looking at. If they would tag him again next year, it's a 20% raise over his cap number this year. Cap number of 11 million means 13.2 would be his franchise tender for next year. So he's looking at a two year haul of 24.2 million if they would tag him next year as well unless they have promised not to tag him next year, either officially or unofficially. So that's better than it would have been under ten one That builds into next year. I'm just surprised he didn't, like, push for 12. Yeah, or I hear you there. It just shows you how little leverage he had. The fact that the Giants did anything is significant. There have been two occasions I can recall, we talked about this yesterday, Albert Hainsworth and Lance Briggs yeah. years ago, where teams had a formula for agreeing not to tag them a second time. This is the first time ever that a team has paid more than the franchise tender to get a guy under a contract. The fact that the Giants did it, Chris, kind of implicitly acknowledges they know the tag was too low for Saquon Barkley. He got screwed
0: by this tag. I think so. I think it it acknowledges a few things. You know, I I mean, one, I think the Giants historically want to do right by their guys. And I mean guys that they draft and guys that they feel like put their best foot forward to represent the Giants organization the right way. And Saquon Barkley has been a model citizen as far as that's concerned. So... You know, I I, I I think that's where there was probably a little bit of a soft spot in their heart to get this done. And a little bit like we talked about. Again, the Giants got in the playoffs last year. I don't think you and I are sitting here ready to go, Oh, definitely Giants are back in the playoffs. No doubt about it. Right? We know there's still, hey, there's going to be a little bit more of a bullseye on their back this year. Certainly, you know, their new scheme and how they play is not going to catch people by surprise. They need Saquon Barkley. He's like one of those guys we talk about. He can go above. Above and beyond the playbook, he can do things that are just extraordinary. So uh, I think that's you know a few of those things probably played to, to play, played in their mind to, to finally get this done. And we're reacting to this information
2: as it all is happening. So it's not 11 million; it's up to 11 million, which is a huge difference. There is incentives only 900 thousand. In incentives. So it's still 10-1 on the way in the door. All the Giants did was dangle a $900,000 carrot. And I look at it this way. If you're going to dangle the carrot, make it bigger than $900,000. It just shows you that yeah, there is no leverage for Saquon Barkley. There was no leverage. Because your only play at this point for you as an individual, not collectively, at the running back position. There's two ways to look at this. Leverage for all running backs Leverage for one running back. The best leverage for Saquon Barkley right now is to go have the best year possible because, and this all goes back to that stupid-ass rule that cuts off negotiations on a long-term deal the middle of July, anything he does to build leverage is meaningless because the Giants can't give him a long-term contract. They can't cry uncle. They're crying uncle, but there's nothing they can do about it. They can't give him what he wanted. So the only way he gets what he wanted, and remember, remember, Point that I made yesterday, and this would be very controversial, and it would upset you and the mouse in your pocket if it happens. They get to the playoffs. Yeah. The window opens on negotiations for a long-term contract. And that day, Saquon Barkley says to the Giants, okay, I want my long-term contract now, or you play your damn playoff games without me. Would not be popular. Would be hard for him to do. Be hard for him to reconcile for himself to not go reap the benefits uh, of playing a full successful season. But... Especially for running back Chris, with each additional game, there's that risk. There's that risk. Torn ACL, broken ankle. What happened to Tony Pollard? Exactly. That's what I was about to say. Exactly.
0: I'm not going to be mad at him if he does that. I'm. I'm. I know. I hope you and I, if he wants to play hardball throughout the season, I. I I think we'll both be there to support him. You know, like we talked about yesterday, he gets to 20 carries. He's been beat up. He wants to go. Hey, nope. My shoulder's a little sore. It's been 20 today. Sorry. I'm not going to be mad at him. And like we heard from Xavier McKinney and how we discussed yesterday, I don't think the players are going to be all that mad at him either if he puts himself on a pitch count. They understand the business. They understand the running back. And like we said, they understand how freaky the athlete is, and they're going, wait. You know, we got guys on our team making two and three times more than the freakiest athlete on our football team. So that's where he's going to have a soft spot spot in in the locker room's heart as far as that's concerned. And he's loved by the locker room. He's loved by the organization. So uh, I know it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, where it goes. And as you always say, Mike, and you're 100% spot on, with situations like this, yeah, they get used against players who love football. You know, it's hard to tell a football player once they get out there, hey, dial it back or put yourself on a pitch count. You know, football players are football players for a reason. They're psycho. They've got, you know, testosterone and want to macho and show everybody what they got and prove the world wrong. And that's sometimes where, you know, it can lead football players down the wrong, the wrong path there.
2: It's one of the reasons why work stoppages don't work in the NFL. Back when your dad was playing in 1987, Mm -hmm. they went on strike. It's a combination of you're not getting paid and you're not getting to do the thing that you love to do. And it's both that motivate players to go cross the picket line, end the strike, come in and sign a franchise tender that has a meaningless big picture $900,000 in available incentives. So the whole thing is a little confusing but it really isn't because there was nothing else Saquon Barkley could do and he can count the fact that he gets an extra 900,000 technically 909,000 in incentives as a win because he got something out of the Giants at a time when they had to give him nothing there was nothing they just going to sit back and cross their arms and wait for him to show up and he was that that's that's his victory in all of this because it looks like a lot of huffing and puffing and no blowing of the house down. The reality is, and you know, the folks that were on that running back Zoom call on Saturday night got the clear impression one, Josh Jacobs isn't showing up for the Raiders anytime soon, and two, Saquon is showing up for the Giants. So if he's going anyway, anything he gets on top of what that $10.1 million franchise tender offered is a victory. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> there are multiple reports that there is no provision about next year's tag. So again, they can do it in 2024 to be 120% of whatever he ends up earning this year. And those incentives would go into the total calculation so he could get up to 13.2 next year under the franchise tag. That was part of his frustration, though. That was articulated during the call. If I go out and have 2,300 yards, they just tag me again. Yeah, just, Whatever I do this year, they'll just say, hey, I'll tag you again. And we knew this. Look, I, I, I was talking to somebody about this last night. It's amazing that this is all of a sudden perceived as a new problem. It's been around for 15 years. definitely. And this specific wrinkle for Saquon Barkley happened the moment that they did the new CBA with a minimum of three years until you can sign a new contract, the fifth-year option for first-round picks, and the availability of the tags. From a team perspective, and I'm not trying to piss off the running backs by saying this, but you look at it from the team's perspective, why would you not, if if you take... A running back in round one. Especially the bottom of round one because you still get the fifth-year option. Five years. Tag once. Tag twice. That's seven years. And then do it all over again. Yeah. Just do it all over again. Yeah. I mean, how the Cowboys did it after four years with DeMarco Murray. He set the franchise record for rushing. More yards than Emmitt Smith ever had in a season. More yards than Tony Dorsett ever had in a season. 1,845. Four years in. And they said, see you later.
0: Yeah, it's so not, it's not fair. Th- That—that's what not. this system creates. Right. You're right. It's what the system creates. It's—it's it's the way it's set up right now. I'm not mad at the organizations, but it's something that's got to be addressed by you know the NFLPA and the next CBA and all of that. And you know, the fact is, and especially it just, it hits home with the running backs. Cause like you're talking about, you can be sitting there as a first round running back and never, and be the best in football and never hit the free market. Like everybody else in the world would, if they were really, really awesome at their job and never get to capitalize on that. And that's BS it is. And then this other element that you brought up. That's that's very real. This stupid freaking we can't negotiate after a certain date, that's a bunch of BS too. That is. That's another one that's gotta go. Because this is like the perfect example too, the Giants and Saquon Barkley, where if that deal if that rule wasn't in place, I, I have great faith that the Giants and Saquon would have found a way to get a three year, two year, four year deal done that we know might only really be worth two or three years. But I think that would happen a lot in these cases. But because of this, it's, again, takes another leg or another bargaining chip away from the player and screws them over. And that's just the stuff we got to get get rid of in this league right now. The, the owners are swimming in cash. they are got diamond, you know, like we talk about, toilet seats and crap. And when the players are fighting for... On their super yachts. Yeah, on their super yachts. And the players are, you know, in the fighting servant's quarters. to hit a free market. And it's just it's just a little too much swayed right now. Of let's screw the play over player over. Let's make too, so much money while our our organization continues to appreciate by five hundred million dollars every year. That's where it just doesn't seem wrong as a or right as a human to me.
2: But good luck getting the average fan yeah. to appreciate and understand that. Yeah. I mean, look. When you talk about yeah, well, say Barkley's only going to make 10.1 million yeah, yeah, this know. year. He's only going to make I up know. to 11 million. People are like, "Oh boy, oh, well, let's have a pity party for him." But folks, folks, you got quarterbacks making more than 50 million. And and that and and, and look, I'm not saying that 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 makes it you know, dramatically less, but it is dramatically less Yeah, for the guy who is in the car crash on every single play, running into the line of scrimmage, getting hit from every possible angle. All the rules are in place to protect the guy making 50. The guy making 10 is getting beaten and abused. It's part of the game. It's always been part of the game, but let's realize these numbers. See, we get blown away by these numbers because it's so much more than any of us have. I get that. I understand why fans react the way they do. But the difference between a billionaire and a millionaire is astro-freaking nominal. And all these owners are billionaires. And seven, eight, nine of them have these giant floating cities with diamond-encrusted toilets. <laughs> and these, these gathering areas that somebody that was in Jerry Jones' yacht, I've yet to get, or super yacht, I've yet to get my invitation to the Jerry Jones super yacht said that when you're sitting like on a sofa out in the open area, it's like you're sitting in a lobby in a swanky New York city hotel. That's how nice the place is. Yeah. They have the excess money to go out and buy stuff like that. The ultimate stuff that human beings don't need a giant floating city. They have that much money. They can do it and spend one, two, three million a week just to maintain the freaking thing. So that's the difference here. And, The bottom line is the entire sport is flush with billions. Yeah. The guys out there that are putting their lives on the line, literally. I thought the DeMar Hamlin situation would be the moment where we all had the epiphany. That, yes, they do take some pretty serious physical risks, immediate and long-term, when they play football. I thought it would make people a little more compassionate toward the realities of being an NFL player, but you still get this resentment. Oh, Saquon Barkley, oh, how dare he want more? Well, he dare want more, and he got a
0: little bit more, but the system is rigged against him. Yeah, exactly right. The system is rigged, and, you know, at the, at the bottom, you know, or at the end of the day, like we talked about with running backs, as freaky as they are and all that, we've gotten this in, into this conversation with other, you know, scenarios throughout the league in our time together here. You, know, you, just, you look at it sometimes and go, okay, I mean, really, you know me. I'm a big Daniel Jones fan. You know I am. But I'm always going to keep it real and go, is Daniel Jones worth four times more than Saquon Barkley? Four times more? he's four times the better that and and worth that that that's where you know at a baseline that just is off a little bit it's off like we you know you can go back to the 49ers a few years ago when they go to the Super Bowl is Jimmy Garoppolo who was making what 27 million then was he 24 times better than Raheem Mozart who was an awesome running back for their football team no so that's where it does seem a little cockeyed right now and and we got to figure some things out in that department
2: well and and you're absolutely right i that was the genesis of the problems with julio jones and exactly the Falcons. when matt right. ryan's making 30 and he's making 15 he's like wait a minute this guy's not twice more important than i am to the team but that's the way the system has evolved and it all goes back to that analytic concept of surplus value that the best quarterbacks are worth more than the average quarterback the best running backs aren't that much more valuable than the average running back because there's so many guys that can go out there and do it. And that's the simple reality. And look, at this point, I I can't imagine Dal- – we're going to get to Dalvin Cook. I can't imagine <laughs> Saquon Barkley doing anything other than going all out, even if it's only 900000 in incentives – he knows he needs to go out and have a great year, and he's already motivated to go out and play football well. Anyway, this idea of embellishing injuries or not running as hard or putting yourself on a pitch count and just it, it, that—it's antithetical to the way football players. Oh, think. it is. And you're right. The problem that you're that you're seizing upon—they yeah. use it against you. Yeah. That's what is the most disturbing about it. You find a guy who is wired the right way, like Saquon Barkley is and the system uses it against them. That's one of the things it needs to change, but good luck getting it to change.
0: Yeah, good luck. We'll see. You're right. You know, We'll continue to fight the good fight. I'm just glad he's in camp. Yes, it's good for the Giants. Ultimately, I'm happy because I think it's the best thing for Saquon Barkley. And, then, and like we said yesterday, it's what I would suggest Josh Jacobs does too. I don't think he's doing himself any good by don't make yourself... You know, what do I want to say? The example, the poster child, to screw yourself over to get everybody else more money. That, that's what I'd say to Josh Jacobs. I like him. We've been around him a few times. I got too much respect for him and know how good of a guy he is. That I want to see him get his money and stay in shape and stay in the mentality of football and not fall off earth like, you know, like we said, like we saw Le'Veon Bell do when he tried to, you know, pull the same thing off. And his anger over his situation, is overcoming his love of the
2: game. And it's going to cause him to do something that hurts himself short-term and maybe long-term because he's so pissed off at the Raiders. We talked about this yesterday. They don't pick up the fifth-year option, which sends a message to him, we don't think you're very good. You're not good enough for us to pick up the fifth-year option. You're not in our plans beyond this year. Then he goes out, busts his ass, proves himself, earns a C on his jersey, opens eyes about how great he is to that team, and then they just tag him instead of giving him – a long-term contract. So he is pissed and he's acting on it. The report yesterday was he's left Las Vegas and he doesn't intend to return anytime soon. And and he's going to undermine his own personal interests because his interest of acting on his anger has overcome his interest of playing football, being productive, laying the foundation for next year. And that's fine. That's his decision. But the Raiders pissed him off more Chris than
0: the Giants pissed off Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I think so. Was Saquon? He still had the, you know, I, I think he you you could swallow that pill a little easier because he just came off an ACL injury and he wasn't quite himself, right? And so there was was some things here that are at play. Yeah, I could see Josh Jacobs being a little more disgruntled in his situation and how it played out. And, of course, it's, you know, it's a new coaching regime like we talked about there with the Raiders who are come from a place where, yeah, it was a platoon of running backs. So, yeah, there was a few things that were at play there that I I think, you know, would make Josh Jacobs more angry than Saquon Barkley.
2: And, you know, to the extent that, players at other positions would like to help running backs, or players would just like to help each other. Yeah. You want to build some leverage against the system that is screwing you? Here's exactly what should have happened with the New York Giants. You've got Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones both heading to market in the same cycle because they bet against Daniel Jones last year by not picking up his fifth-year option. So Barkley and Jones careening toward the open market. What they should have done— what their agents should have done. They should have come together and said collectively to the Giants, neither of us is signing. You're going to have to pick one of us to tag, and the other one is leaving or hitting the market, and you're going to have to pay him in competition with the other teams. See, the teams don't want to compete with the other teams. They don't want to have to match what someone else is willing to pay their guy. They want to dictate the terms to the guy with no alternative. So – what Jones and Barkley should have done, and this is a lesson to teammates in the future, when two or more are coming to the market at the same time and you only got one tag to use, and they like to divide and conquer, let's sign one and tag the other. They were going to sign Barkley and tag Jones. Well, Barkley didn't take the offer. They said, fine, sorry, uh, sorry Saquon, sucks for you. We're going to sign Jones and tag you. If they both would have been joined at the hip and said, hey, Giants, neither of us are signing. You got to pick one. If you're willing to take that selfless risk, that you're going to be the one who gets tagged, the other guy goes to the market, and and that's what that's one way, one very real way, way to fight back against this system that is screwing the running backs and really all players. Yeah. Because Jones Jones could have gotten to the market. Maybe they would have tagged Saquon and let him hit the market. Who knows how it would have played? Yeah. Out.
0: No. I, I don't. You know. I, I think you're onto something there. you know, maybe some tandem forces by the players. You know. This could be a thing—a new way to, to bargain. Yeah, join up a little bit when you got two marquee players, or when you have a marquee player, maybe that you know that they got to ha- like with Daniel Jones. You know, maybe more situations where next time around, a guy like Daniel Jones, he can go. You know what? I'm, you know, yeah, you got to, you're gonna have to franchise me for right now uh, because I'm not signing anything until you sign Saquon, and then then we'll talk about you know, long-term contract. Because the quarterback, of course, we know is more times than are not going to get paid, getting to get taken care of. Um, but, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. There might have to be a little bit more conversations between players and agents uh, as far as game planning, what they want to do. And maybe that's the way that, that the players can fight back against the system and how it's currently, you know, set up right now.
2: That was one of the big points made on Saturday night in the running back Zoom Now, look, the union is always inclined to blame the agents, and the agents are inclined to blame the union. There's just some toxicity there that needs to be cleared out. But the union wants the agents to do a better job of collaborating and colluding. It's okay for the players and the agents to collude. It's not okay for the teams to do it. That's another way that you can push back against a system that is rigged against the players. The agents and the players can come up with, Collective action. They can come up with joint strategies that they can use. They can communicate more about the offers they're making and the offers they're rejecting and the offers they're accepting. But there's so much competition among the agents that it's hard to get the agents to work with other agents because they view themselves as mortal enemies. I mean, they hate each other, you know, because the whole thing is about trying to recruit this next crop of guys coming in to the draft, trying to steal clients from each other. I am amazed and it's died down in recent years. There was a time where I, I was shocked that, you know, one agent hadn't killed another agent or hired someone to kill him. and I do not I d I I don't I'm not saying that facetiously. I it was so Poisonous. I thought one of these days somebody's getting whacked over this. That's how much they hate each other. All right. We'll somebody's going to get blown up in their
0: car. We're going Sicily. full circle. That's how we started the show with mafia talk. We're going to end it with uh, end the segment with mafia Mindy talk. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, <laughs> Friday, Saturday, yeah, Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So, so. so. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But I, I hear you. It is. It's, it's a competitive market. And you're right. You're saying it right. And, you know, agents, they want to one up the other agent on a deal or, ooh, I got this connection. With this team, and I am going to look good, and I don't care about what you got to do over there. But you know, maybe they'll have to start rethinking it too to to capitalize, especially with the marquee players and the marquee agents. I think that's where those are the guys again that I think can make the most headway here and really help the rest of the league out. Is if they play hardball, it'll it'll filter down to the to the rest of the locker room. By the way, before we take a
2: break, I want to mention that coming up later in the program, we are going to attempt to play a game that has taken over my life, at least for the periods of the day that it comes out. The crossover grid football game. The the guy in charge of that has put together a specific grid just for us. We Whoa. posted a link to it on Whoa. Twitter. We're going to try to solve it later. I have not looked at it. I will admit that I saw a Vikings logo. Okay. I, I, of course. I, I mean, if, if, if we made logo. the request, of
0: course something yeah. Vikings yeah. has to be on there.
2: <laughs> but but it, it's a fun game, and we'll explain later how it works. If you're a football fan and if you've been following the sport for a while and you can recollect who played where yeah. and who was drafted where and who had which accomplishments, it is a lot of fun. It's pretty cool. We're going to do it later in the program. Yeah. And And my concern is – It's one thing for me to do it with my phone or at my computer. Anytime you throw in that element of the red light is on, there's a chance you go Cindy Uh, Brady um, and just freeze uh, up. uh, Yeah, exactly right. So we'll we'll collaborate on it and help each other out, and we'll try to solve it. We'll do that coming up later in the program. For now, though, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with more PFT Live right after this.
0: Buy me a necklace like that. Get me a damn PFT chain, no. okay, and I'll wear it, all right? I'm your buddy. Isn't it time? You're the you're the one with all the money. You buy me the chain and make me feel good. Come on. I can get behind that chain because
2: I did not see any diamonds. I saw no sparkles on yeah. that. There's I'm happy gold, to get though. you. A lot of gold. A, a, you know, a green plastic that looks like emerald. I, I'm a big believer... And some sage advice that Chad Johnson gave to all players years ago. And it really does make sense. Don't buy diamond earrings. Just get the fake ones because everybody's going to think they're real because you're rich. Why do you want to screw around with these expensive ass diamond earrings that you might lose? Who was it that lost one? Remember, was it Julio Jones that lost one somewhere? Somebody. Like, they yeah. get lost during
0: games, they Aaron get lost jo- while well, they're yeah. jet skiing. I was say Aaron Jones was just, lost a, a locket that was important to him about his father who had passed away, but that wasn't it. You're right. Somebody else lost a that, diamond yeah, something. Yeah, that's, that's different. Yeah.
2: But, but, you know, nobody's gonna show up with that little glass where you like squeeze your eye and you hold it and they're gonna inspect it to make sure it's real. That little, that, t- that little mag, isn't that weird? Like you've got this little portable microscope that just kind of fits in your eye socket and you squeeze down on it. No one's going to do that. Yeah. To but make the, sure they'll that you know. actually have Football a real diamond earring like and not cubic zirconia. They They're
0: going to be walking around going, I'm a Fugazi. I'm wearing Fugazi diamonds over here. I'm not real deal. You can't tell. Yeah. They look the same. I don't know. I, I no think- one's carrying around that little monocle microscope. You can tell a little bit. Cause I've, I have been privy to this. There i did had some players through the years that, you know, went down this way of, you know, cubic zirconium, whatever, right? That was what, what guys, the fake diamonds. But if you see cubic zirconium next to some guy, let's say, who's on the team, who is making twenty million dollars a year and he's got real big diamonds? Trust me, you can tell when you see them next to each other. You're gonna go, "Damn, that one's blingin' and shiny and everything," and that thing looks dull. What the hell is up that with that? That's when it gets seen. But you're right. Other than that, like when you can compare it, you're, you know, most people are not gonna know and they're gonna assume you know a pro athlete's wearing real diamonds.
2: I'm now very curious what that thing is called. I have found on. On Google, I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know which vowel is pronounced and which one is silent. But it's L O U P E. And for three ninety nine, are you kidding me? You can get two x, three x, five x, ten x, and seven x three ninety nine for all of them. That must not be high quality. But uh, it's called L O U P E, the the little one eyed. Uh, yeah. uh, microscope that you use to look and see whether or not a diamond what, is Fugazi. What do you, anyway, what do you think well, that
0: chain costs? Just real quiz. What, like, what do you think? Ballpark guess. What do you think Sauce gardener spent on no. that? Isn't it hilarious that too Sauce Gardeners Whatever it is, buying the richest guy much? on the football team of yeah. jewelry? It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's making $50
2: million a year, <laughs> yeah. and you're going to buy him the jewelry? That makes <laughs> right. no sense whatsoever. Whatever it was, it was too much. Hopefully he got it for free or at least at a big discount because they're publicizing the whole thing. But that looks like something that was probably 75000 or or $100,000. I don't know. I is that right? So. Is it more I than think that? so.
0: It might be more than that. It, it might be more than that. I don't know. But I would say, yes, it's north of a hundred. I, I would say that. Unless he took Chad
2: Johnson's advice and it's all Cupid's zirconia. That would be awesome.
0: (laughs) That would be awesome (laughs) if it's just glue.
2: (laughs) That would be great. Okay. Uh, Eventually, there may be another chain that Sauce Gardner is putting around the neck of a new teammate, Dalvin Cook, in play for the Jets, in play for the Dolphins, in play for the Patriots, in play for who knows who else. But of the teams in the AFC East, the Bills never get mentioned. And even after the Naheem's Heinz injury and it turned out he was in a jet ski accident of all things that caused him to suffer the torn ACL Dalvin Cook was on with Rich Eisen yesterday and Eisen asked whether or not the Bills are a possibility given that Hines is likely out for the year
1: that'd be exciting that'd be exciting to me and my family it would um, you know the whole thing about you know when they bought the whole thing up for me and my brother playing together it was just about me not being in his way I want my brother to go tear the league up which he is because he's mm-hmm. prepared for it and I don't want to be the one being in his way of stopping him from doing it. So like that was the whole thing. But like you know they down the back. So it's not out the picture for me to go, you know, go play there for play that with him.
2: Yeah, I mean all along Dalvin Cook's position has been that's my brother's team and he doesn't want to get in his brother's way. And one of the things he's sensitive about as it relates to the future of the position, his brother hasn't gotten paid yet. His brother's only entering the second year of his career. He's thinking about him. You know, for most of these guys, it's kind of an amorphous thing. Why do we care about the next generation of running backs? Well, Dalvin Cook has a brother who is in the next generation of running backs. So he's been very sensitive to that every step of the way. Yeah. I, I just think that that Dalvin Cook doesn't fit with what the Bills are going to be looking for to replace Naheem Hines unless he plans to return punts and kickoffs because that's what they're looking for. A guy who's going to be lower on the depth chart and also play special teams. Right. And that's not what Dalvin Cook is going to
0: be. Exactly. Right. Exactly right. And then, you know, not only that, but probably share carries with James Cook, share carries with Damian Harris, who's still, let's not forget, a pretty damn good running back who they signed from New England this year. Right. And then yes, Naheem Hines, as we talked about yesterday, that role was going to be, yeah, sure, a few carries and all that, but I think his real worth was going to be in the pass game, his ability to run routes. Hey, read this coverage, make this a Appropriate cut on this coverage. Oh, you got that coverage. Now make this cut. Right, that's his value. I don't think Dalvin Cook wants to play that role. You know, Dalvin Cook wants to carry the football. He's dangerous doing that. Like we talked about many times. You know, leading up to our break and all that. He's you know not that he has to be 25 carries a game, but I'm sure he's looking at a place where he's going to go. Wait, I'm the main guy. You know for sure, and I'm getting you know the 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 bulk or the 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 workman's. Worth of, of carrying the football a little bit.
2: Well, that's absolutely right. And that leads to, and I'm going to go out of order here, Pete. I tried to let you know in the sheets. I haven't gotten an acknowledgement. Good. Let's, the, l- let's I-, I want you to hear what Cook had to say because I hadn't heard him ask this question. Everybody's been focusing on the future with Dalvin Cook when he does media appearances. Eisen asked him about the Vikings and basically. When he knew it was going to end for him in Minnesota, here's what Cook had to say to that yesterday.
1: I kind of knew it was coming during the season to be honest, and it was it, it was, it was going to have to like you know the, the relationship of you know the run in the past wasn't wasn't there all year, so it was like you know i want I want to go somewhere to get the ball and I think you know they they want to get the ball out wide, so it was kind of something that was well needed for both of us and you know, I kind of knew it was coming during the season.
2: Yeah, and I went back and looked at the numbers. Last year, they did skew toward the pass more than the run, and his touches per game were down. He went from a career high of 22.2 carries per game and 24.4 touches per game in 2020 down to 15.5 carries last year and 17.8 touches. So with Kevin O'Connell there, they were moving toward the passing game. And at some point, as you're seeing that happen, if you're Dalvin Cook, you're saying, well, there's no way in hell they're going to pay me $10 million next year if this is the way the wind is blowing. If this is becoming a pass-first team, they don't need me at $10 million per year. So when he's already thinking that, when they re-sign Alexander Madison for like three and a half, four million per year, he knew it was over at that point. If he didn't already know it a hundred percent, when they pay Alexander Madison, a bargain basement amount relative to, to, you know, high end veteran tailbacks, that's when the 10 million is going to get ripped up at some point for Dalvin cook.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Hey, listen, Dalvin cook, he, he seems to have a pretty good feel for this league and how it works. And he's pretty smart when it comes that way. I'm sure he saw the writing on the wall let alone, you know, I think we both know and I've heard from people around the NFL that I think there was some discontent or disgruntled Vikings, you know, people in the organization that he didn't handle his shoulder situation 2 years ago better and all of that. So, I'm sure there was enough signals there that he realized it. And yes, it's 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 they they definitely swayed towards the passing game and all that. I think this is what's encouraging to me, Mike, when I hear those comments and, you know, hearing him saying it's almost is always different than reading them. It's just like he he the thing I'm encouraged is he he still wants to be the bell cow. He still wants to be, you know, he's not looking to go like, oh, let me go somewhere and and like spread out the carries. He wants the ball. He still wants to be the main guy like we were talking about and do 20, 22 carries, 25 carries a game. And I think that's encouraging. I mean, we know he's still got some juice left in the tank. That is for sure. He might not be what he was three or four years ago, but damn, he's still good and dangerous and can go to the house from anywhere like we've talked about.
2: And see, he was asked that next question by Rich Eisen, what is the right system for you if you're looking for a system different than Minnesota? And he meandered a little bit because I don't think he wants to burn any bridges. He yeah. doesn't want to foreclose mm. any potential opportunities. He wants to go to a place where he can help them win and also run the ball. But I, I look, this is part of the reality of being an older running back. And I think this is the positive side ...of teams going with a committee approach, especially if you're older and you've got some wear and tear. It's better to extend your career. Like, if I can make $8 million for one more year and go get thrown into the meat grinder, go through the car crashes every week and have nothing left on the back end, isn't it better to make 3 or $4 million for three years or four years playing a complimentary role and not getting the crap beat out of me every week and having fewer touches, having fewer injuries... Having a longer overall career in the NFL, even if I'm not being paid as much right now, it's all a question of how bright you want that candle to burn. Yeah. Do you want it to just flash, or do you want it to simmer? And I think that, and that's been a a, a reality. Now, I, I remember asking free agents and incoming draft picks, a like, how, as at running yeah. back, yeah. what would you rather do? Do you want to be that guy that gets the ball 25 times a game, or would you rather split it up, knowing you could play a lot longer if you're never the guy that has just had the crap beat out of you week in and week out.
0: Yeah, it, it's 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 a tough one. You know, it, it is. You're right. I mean, yeah, you, you want to be the guy and be the man. And, yeah, then that, that candle will burn out a little quicker. But, of course, that's the chance you have maybe to make it that huge payday. Your other way around, you're talking it right. You got a chance to be, you know, hang around the league a little bit more. And and collect some lower paychecks a little more consistently, but that, there's risk in that too, as we know, because there's times where oh well, well you know hey it's yeah it's only three point five or four million dollars, but it's year ten and he's a running back and okay let's let's just get the younger guy in there too. So there's there's risks either way. It, it's a tough one. I will say this. I mean, yeah, I don't know if you want to go somewhere and be 25 carries a game. Dalvin Cook, when I look at it, a situation like the Miami Dolphins would be perfect, right? Where they do have some other running backs, but he'll clearly be the guy. They're going to play a style of football that's not going to be, let's get three tight ends in here, and we're all going to play in the box and just run downhill old school, right? They're not going to play that. It's going to be a wide open game that fits him. Oh, Tyreek, Waddle. Oh, Tyreek, Waddle. Oh, there's this. And then, oh, here's up the middle. They're worried about all the screens and the pass plays. Now you got this room, Dalvin Cook. That's the type of situation where I look at him to be the most dangerous and could extend his career because of maybe less people and less people in the box unless car crashes like we always say
2: and look I think the other reality here is that given the position that he plays time is on his side it is that's because right because injuries are going to happen yep especially at the running back position and all it takes is one team that thinks it has its guy and that guy suffers any injury that puts him out for an extended period of time all of a sudden there's an opportunity for Dalvin Cook that wasn't there before. And if it's a team that's a contender, yeah, gets a little desperate, think back to what happened in Minnesota the year before Cook arrived, 2016, Teddy Bridgewater's knee implodes late August. They got desperate to find a replacement. They gave it one and a four to get Sam Bradford because they had no choice. You get a team that's feeling pretty good about itself, and they've got you know one running back, big-name starter, And then all of a sudden he's gone. That's when the money may be there for Dalvin Cook. That's right. At this point, it it makes sense to wait because this is how you use the fact that running back position is injury prone to your advantage. You wait for someone to get injured. It's one thing to wait for a quarterback to get injured because when's that going to happen? They got the red jersey on and they're not playing in the preseason anyway. The starters aren't at least, at least on the smart teams they're not. Quarterback? not going to get injured most likely running back going to get injured opportunity may arise for Dalvin Cook Chris
0: yeah exactly right I, I time is on his side I'm glad you brought it up because that's where I kind of wanted to go with it don't you know you don't have to make a, a quick decision and be hasty here You know, running back, first off, is probably the easiest position to change teams or systems in all of football. Once you learn, hey, wait, they call this hole the four hole, this one the five hole, you learn a little nuances in the pass protection. A lot of things are similar for the running back in that world. So he doesn't need to be like, oh, no, I need to get somewhere and figure out the offense. And like you're saying, too, use it to your advantage. You know, I can think of two situations right off the bat here where it could go a little crazy or hairy and Dalvin Cook could end up getting, you know, know what he wants here or a situation what what if hey let's look at the dallas cowboys what are the dallas cowboys- don't name names don't
2: jinx don't don't put the malocchio on anyone well no I, i've tried to I avoid know. mentioning names all right, all right. Well, well
0: this one this guy's already got a little issue but what if you're the dallas cowboys they're looking at themselves going they're in the super bowl window they get here mid-august late august tony pollard ain't going to be ready it just doesn't look good he's not going to be ready for a, 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 maybe an extended period into the regular season before for he's a hundred percent. You know, they could come in swooping in and go, Hey, we need you. We we got we need a guy. You gotta come in here. They got a little money in the salary cap right now. The Broncos, what if Javante Williams doesn't quite look the same after coming back from his knee injury? And Sean Payton goes, Damn, you know, I know we got Samaji P. Rhyme, but he's kinda of for third down. We don't have a guy here, blah blah blah. All right, give Dalvin Cook the extra two or three million a year. It's all right. Hell, We need him. And so that's the things he can use into his advantage, let alone if something, you know, unforeseen happens like you explained.
2: And the other thing I'll say, since it does not involve an injury, if and when the Raiders throw their hands in the air go send the tender from Josh Jacobs, Right, that's an opportunity for Dalvin Cook that currently isn't on the radar screen because it needs somebody to run between the tackles, and Dalvin Cook has shown over the years that he can do just that. One last clip from Dalvin Cook's appearance yesterday with Rich Eisen. Here is Cook talking about the Zoom call that happened on Saturday night, the culmination of a group text chain that started last week at the behest of Derrick Henry. Here's what Cook had to say about when they all got together on Saturday night.
1: What were the solutions yeah. out there to, to... That's what we're trying to get to right now, and I don't think we, got, we came up to that equation yet. I don't think... Uh, we're trying to figure out where we can go without hurting anybody, pockets. We're we trying to get to a point where, like, you know, we don't want to... We, we obviously want to play football, and we want to help somebody win, but we don't want to... You know, everybody got their family to take care of and, and, you know, real things to do in real life, and I know, you know, we don't want to take 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 from nobody's pocket, like, as far as, like, not being out there on the field. But, like, we got to come up with something, I think that's what a guy's still trying to come up with because we, we, we act up every day in that chat, every day.
2: See... And this explains why Saquon Barkley showed up and took his money. No one expects him to become the face and the voice of this effort to make some big sacrifice for the greater good for the running backs, because the reality is it's not going to matter. It goes back to Josh Jacobs. Josh is mad. Josh is going to hurt himself financially, and it's not going to change anything. Mm -hmm. I keep going back. I wrote about it yesterday, and... I'm going to keep banging this drum until one of the running backs or the agents, and I'm going to start trying to reach out to some of these folks directly, assuming that they don't press the you know, GFY button when I call them. You need to come together now and tell the league we're not going to be at the offseason program next year, period. You're not going to have a single running back. We're going to spend the next eight months doing everything we can to pressure all running backs to not show up. Good luck with OTAs with no running backs there. That's the only thing you can do collectively. And there's no downside to it because you don't get fined. You don't get in trouble. It's not a strike. The only guys that lose anything are guys who have workout bonuses, and maybe they make an exemption for them, and those guys just show up and not really do anything. I don't know. But that's the only way to put the pressure on to get the Sims solution. Nobody else. This goes back to you. You get the credit for it. A league-wide fund that pays the running backs for performance, playing time, yards gained, touchdowns scored, et cetera. That's what needs to be put in place. And if they can convince the league that none of them are going to be there in the offseason program next year, maybe they have a shot at getting
0: the league's attention.
2: And even then, even then, it's not gonna be easy, but that's the only real solution that has a chance of working, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think you're right. They got they gotta to get together here and, and, and collectively put pressure on the NFL. And it's good. That's good to hear Dalvin Cook saying that they're talking every day, they're on text every day, you know. No Android phones there in that group, they're all on it together, they're good. So yeah, but that that is it's encouraging. And I think we're gonna to continue to back them up. And I think you're gonna see players in around the league back the running backs up too. Because of like we talked about. The players realize, yes you can't win football without running backs the players realize that the freakiest guy on the team is kind of getting screwed over more times than not and that's not right and I think that's where they're going to continue to have the support
2: and look even though this is an old problem what they've done so far counts as a victory because it has become the biggest issue in football that we talk about every day that everybody talks about every day I got requests Lined up, and I'm sure you do, too. Hey, can you come on and talk about the running back situation? Let's talk about the running back situation. And and Austin Eckler started this conversation back in March, but there was too much other stuff going on for it to resonate. The real moment where it all came together was when Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs didn't get their long-term contracts when the stupid-ass deadline came and went last Monday. That's what really sparked all this. And so, guys, so far... Congratulations! You've done a great job of getting people aware of the issue, getting people to care about the issue. Now you got to get the union to care about it, and you got to get the league to care about it. And the best way, and maybe the only way, tell the league, tell the teams, you're not going to have a single running back next year for the voluntary phases of the offseason program. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Tyreek Hill had an off-field situation that popped up on Father's Day. The civil liability has been resolved. Will there be responsibility to the National Football League? We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this.